0: kick things off are you happy cool That's it. yeah nice awesome, one mate so um so yeah do you want to just give us like uh, just a quick background of like you know who you are what you do and then we can go from there Lewis
1: yeah so uh, I'm Lewis I'm the founder of Lightbulb Media we are a creative performance agency we're based over in Manchester uh been going since around 2018 uh we basically help brands and people scale online through social media uh content copywriting and paid advertising um Our business has been 100% through inbound leads uh, since 2018, uh, mainly just from me being a bit of a knob on LinkedIn. Uh, But it's working well, so I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to change it.
0: Yeah, tried and trusted method. Um, That's awesome, though. How come you got into into this field then?
1: To be honest with you, um, I started off in sales or field sales executive, as it was called. It's basically posh for door knocking. Um, yeah, I, I I
0: it, I
1: <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I saw you could start at 11 a.m., so I was like, oh, that sounds good, but then um, mm. I didn't realise you'd be working until 7 p.m., and it was basically walking around the streets of Salford in the rain, getting told to fuck off on council estates 99 times a day. Um, yeah. And then I had a, they used to, like, do – watch Denzel Washington speeches and hype themselves up and all that, which I thought was weird, but it was, like, my first job. Yeah. And I kind of had the thought, like, Hmm. why are we trying to target everyone we could just target people that we know are going to be interested in that and they were like oh that's not a winner's attitude so I got sacked and then I thought well there must be something in this and then I realized that that was marketing essentially
0: right okay that's interesting yeah I I, um I've done that before but my um one of my mates he actually I think I've told the story before but he actually um did like the charity ones that you can do they're usually in the news like being scams Mm -hmm. and um Ah oh, mate, there's a he told me about this guy, so they were selling like um they were doing like a cancer charity and they used to do everything you're saying, you know, motivational videos, you know, that kind of stuff. Um but he uh the guy was um was bored, right? Like by 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 choice. Um <laughs> and he was he was he was demoing like doing the training. He was like, "Hi guys, this is how you do a door to door call." Cool. So he knocked on someone's door. He's speaking to this uh this little old lady and uh you know going through the pitch and and he he he's like at the point of the pitch where he's like, "Yeah, yeah." So basically, and he's wearing this little beanie hat because it's the winter. And he goes, "Yeah." So basically, um takes the beanie hat off and he goes, "Yeah." Obviously, a lot of people have like leukemia and cancer and stuff, so mm-hmm. it's very hard. Yeah. And you do it every call. So I know exactly what you're talking about, but, um, but yeah, cool. Nice one. So just, just sort of like kick things off them. Writing Mm. obviously a very, very broad topic and you know, there's lots of copywriters and marketers out there, especially on LinkedIn as well. Um, it can be quite hard to, know where to start like wh- when i started on my linkedin personal branding uh, journey like two and a half years ago that was the the main block for me i was like linkedin's a bit of a weird platform isn't it in the sense that it's it's not like twitter or or you know instagram or whatever it's it's a professional platform where your boss might be looking mm-hmm. at your content um you know your clients are on there people are always scared of losing their clients so where if, if i've never done it before or people even listen to this have never written a post ever where would you recommend they start and then what sort of journey should they go on
1: i think the best thing to do is actually start reading more because a lot of people when we speak to them they struggle with actually inspiration first Mm. of all they think what on earth do i write about and then usually the second step is why is anyone going to care so actually what you can write about it doesn't really matter i would say if you are scared of like putting it public writing's a muscle it gets better the more you practice it so even if you are literally just making posts that you keep in your notes just to get familiar with writing whenever you're in a state like that and you think ah that's annoyed me today i'm going to write something about that that's not it doesn't (coughs) even have to be relevant to your industry just get comfortable with writing consistently daily at least something every single day because then what you'll do is once you'll write it you'll go back to it a couple of days later and then you kind of subconsciously learn to edit and go, actually, that word could be better or that could be shorter yeah. or this could be longer. So actually, it's getting comfortable and just getting, getting that practice done. It's kind of like training before a boxing match. You do all the, the hard work before you get in the ring. Um, mm. And it makes, it makes the fight a hell of a lot easier. Sure. So I would say do that. I would say read more. Um, I would say practice without making that public um, as your first steps. And then from an actual writing perspective, if you're still not ready to actually post something publicly, start with commenting on other people's stuff as well. Because then mm. their post will basically, they've dealt with the idea. You're just giving your two cents on the idea. And it's that's, that's the bit that can get you comfortable with writing online without putting yourself out there and going, ah, these are my thoughts. Actually, I'm just replying to your thoughts. So it's not as, right. as much pressure. We found people find that quite, quite comfortable. So they'd be the kind yeah. of three steps.
0: Okay, awesome. Yeah, I, I like that, you know, starting with, with comments. Um, so, like, with there's all these rules of LinkedIn, right? So it'd be great if you could, like, give some clarity on this, because, you know, some people say post every day, some people post Monday, Wednesday, Friday, some people do, like, one post and just do comments. And then there's obviously, like, you know, the type of content, you know, like, posting selfies, not posting selfies, that kind of stuff. So, like, where do you sit on that, then? Like, Is there a rule? Is there something that works all the time? Or is it just more more about, you know, focusing on the quality of content?
1: What works is good content, ultimately. Um, And for me, copy is the base and the framework of that. But what a lot of people can't give up is the dopamine, which is why the kind of selfie thing kind of got into popularity, because Mm. there are a lot more people that will kind of like how you look potentially which will give you that validation yeah but the people who like how you look spend a lot less money than the people who like what you say so for me i always say to people test your copy completely raw ship it raw with no fancy fandangled carousels or selfies or anything like that and actually figure out what a really good hook is and if you start seeing really good uh views uh on your post that usually means that your hook's quite good if you start seeing some engagement on there okay well I'm I'm sparking conversation. I'm tackling the right topics here. Um, So I would always test that first um, and just try and ditch that dopamine to figure out what your audience actually wants. As far as frequency, I think you can do more frequency in the early days simply because quantity probably does matter there. Because you need to actually figure out what works. And the only way it, mm. it's no use doing a split test if you're only putting out one post, one post a week, actually put out five posts a week. And then if, you know, two of those really banged, do five of those the next week and then see from a granular level, was it the hook? Was it the call to action? Was it the meat? What was the theme? What was the content pillar? So mm. in the early days, put out as much as you can just to get as much information and data back. And then as you kind of build your audience, build your credibility, you can get that volume down a little bit because eventually your name should become the hook rather than the content itself because people know you always post good stuff. So, yeah, you have to go quantity in the early stages and then uh, focus purely on quality once it becomes more strategic later down the line after you've kind of made an impression and built a, a relevant audience.
0: Right, okay. So so with, with the, the quantity then, just to, just to just sort of further understand this, so is there like a minimum that you need to be posting on LinkedIn a week to like keep things going? Uh, like say I don't know say for example you've been doing it for like a year you've you've got an established brand um it, d- do you still need to like be doing at least two a week or you know could you take a week off and just do comments like how, how does it sort of work
1: yeah for me personally putting posts out I don't think you should be realistically doing any less than three a week to be honest with you. Okay. Um, if you do, but if you do do less or you can't think of anything to say or whatever it may be, you need to then offset that with the increase in the amount of engagement and the comments that you're doing. Essentially, you have to put the hard yards in either way. If you've got something to say, great, bang it out there. Mm. If you aren't, then drop another 20 or 50 comments that day just because you still need that exposure. Um, and if you know where your audience lives, and someone else is taking the creative element out of it and they're making the post and you're giving your two cents that show that you know what you're talking about, it's just a way of keeping up your exposure because I know I know we are all slaves to the algorithm and that if you stop posting for a couple of weeks, you tend to just fucking die off the face of the earth, which, mm. which isn't ideal. So just that little drip, drip feed keeps you present um, and you do kind of have to play into it um, and let it know that you, you do still exist and that you are relevant and that you are best mates with all these people so that when you do post, mm. they see your stuff.
0: Okay, cool. So, because um, this is another thing, like, I've, I saw I can't remember his name, but there was this guy who was like a um he has a quite a decent personal brand in the sales space, and he was posting like quite often. I think at some point he was treating it like Twitter; he was still like five a day, but he seemed to be an anomaly in the sense that he was still getting good engagement a lot of the time, whereas uh, you know, especially like the algorithm changes like the last six seven months. Um, mm-hmm. If you post, if you post like more than once a day, the second post seems to do awfully. And then sometimes, I don't know. This is just what I found. But if I was to like, I don't know. It's this is why I want clarity on it. To be honest, I'm being being selfish, you know, um, <laughs> on on this podcast. But it's it like if you post too often, if you did like four posts a day, are, are your is your engagement just going to tank? Then, like, is it better to just like? um have that breathing space between posts um in terms of like how the algorithm works
1: for me personally yeah from what from what i've seen it will kind of cut it off because it doesn't know which one to push but i would just say as common sense really i don't think anyone's fucking interesting enough to post about five things every single day yeah there there is nothing happening that people need to know about five times a day from you i'm sorry but there's not um and if people are getting like mass engagement on five posts a day, I'd be, I'd be looking into that the quality of that engagement. Looking, You can tell if someone's trying to game it or growth hack or use pods or anything like that just by looking at the quality of their comment section. Yeah, Look at those people, look at what they're posting. Is it all similar? Does it look like it's from AI? Uh, are the people that would be that person's ideal client? You can tell a hell of a lot just by looking in someone's comment section to see the quality of what they're doing, why they're doing it and the kind of truth behind it. But the problem is people don't know the red flags to look out for, so we try and kind of raise
0: awareness of that, so that people don't get don't get scammed by these people selling the dream. Yeah, well, we'll get onto engagement pods in a bit uh, because I definitely want to cover that. But um, so just just going back to like actual writing and like um, I know you've talked about before, like you know writing as you speak, you know using humor, etc. Could you talk a little bit about like? you know, the actual technical execution of it, like maybe some some actionable tips that people can actually use if they're just starting out and then, you know, anything around like the psychology of it as well.
1: Yeah, so ultimately, this is kind of like one of the universal kind of consistencies of marketing. Everything works in a funnel. Ultimately, if you go out to people now and say, go and buy my stuff, people don't know you. They don't care about the UI. You've not done any work and probably not going to buy your stuff. So... The first protocol is to cast that net out wide. So you have to do the top funnel stuff. And this is where, forget about what you do for for a second and start dealing with universally relatable topics that are massively applicable across multiple industries. Things, you know, like university or parenting or bad bosses or good bosses or whatever it may be, something that everyone can relate to. Because then when everyone relates to it and starts getting involved, you've got a guy in IT commenting here and he's putting you out to his network. You've got someone in HR and he's commenting and he's putting you out to his network. And that is what casts the net really, really wide. So uh, first and foremost, you just need eyeballs. And that's what a lot of people are very good at doing. Then it actually gets serious if you actually want to make money from it. So the next step when you come down to the mid-funnel, you have to start disqualifying. So you can put stuff out subtly. We don't do it as subtly, but basically doing like anecdotes and case studies and um, testimonials where we basically say, look, these are the results we got for this person, social proof. This is why we got the results because they weren't a dick. They didn't ask stupid questions, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So anyone that's looking at that thinking, yeah, oh, I am a dick. I might, I might be a late payer uh, or I was going to try and do X, Y, Z. It repels those whilst also showing the people that we do want that we're very very good at what we do. So that's where you build the credibility in the mid-stages. So you've got your eyeballs, then you disqualify and make sure you've got the right eyeballs. And then once you've got some credibility, that's when you can then move to push them off the platform because all that attention is pretty much worthless Mm. while it lives on that platform because you, you do not own it, you cannot track it. So the goal is to then push them off the platform into you know discovery calls through a calendly send them into your mailing list put them into lead magnet flows send them onto your website which has got tracking pixels on it once they leave that platform and go into something that you own you can then Mm. retarget track and do all that stuff for free without having to put the work in to hit those people again and you can also monitor the level of intent that they have because people might think oh my god these people love me these people love me and then you try and push them away to something and then you don't make any sales and you go right well there's an issue there because either what i'm selling is shit and nobody wants it. Or I've been speaking to completely the wrong people, and I think that's the part that people can't really give up or accept. They just mm. want to keep doing the same thing, and then they're wondering why they're not getting any different results at the at the at the bottom end, which is what really matters.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's certainly something I've certainly um, learned over the last sort of year as well. It's like not chasing that dopamine hit of you know validation on social media, which is so. Mm. Easy to fall into because it does feel great when you have a viral post and you're like, oh, I yeah. get to all this attention. But then you like a week later, you know, no one cares about you again. You know, your notifications yeah. are down to zero, and you're like, oh, I actually didn't make any money. Like, oh no, yeah. you know, <laughs> what 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 a waste of time. But um, so in terms of like the you know like inbound leads and and, and you know how you're actually dealing with that. Um, you mentioned like lead magnets and and you know what you actually do. So. Do you, you know, people like Alex or for example, talk a lot about lead magnets. Do you like, do you recommend people like try and get them on a call straight away or is it better to then like have them engage your content, then send them the lead magnet and then contact them like a week later or two weeks later or do, do you jump straight in or like, what would you recommend?
1: It completely depends. Completely depends what you're selling. If you are selling something that can be a an impulse purchase or so, like if you landed on my profile, It'll, set, it'll show you the case studies or you could book in like a consultancy hour where you can go and pay straight away yeah. or you can get sent to book an appointment, which will then has a lot of pre-qualification questions into book a discovery call to see if we're going to be the right fit. If you're selling something that is going to be, you know, a full new SaaS product and it's going to cost a company 20 grand, they're probably yeah. not going to come and make, make that impulse purchase. You need to get more touch points in place. So the goal is to get them off and then go, actually... Here's a lead magnet for you so you can see what we know what we're talking about. You've then got that data and then you can drip feed over time. You have to zoom out and realize what the customer journey is going to look like, whether it's going to be a five touch point journey or a 25 touch point journey. So it's completely dependent on, you know, who you are, what you're selling, what the cost of it is is going to be as far as what those, what those routes are. Um, but if you have the time, um, you're not bothered about your, um, your calendar being filled up i put some pre-qualification questions on the calendar at all times just to make sure that you know people do have a, at least a fucking budget or at least a, an existing business and they're not going on there just to pick your brains for free yeah because um, otherwise that can get a bit sticky but yeah just just look at what what it is that you're offering how long that journey is going to be and then what that kind of route is but yeah the ultimate goal is to get them off platforms somehow
0: yeah awesome so so, for those people like who are about to start a personal brand, again, you know, this is something that I fell into. I didn't know what the expectations were, and you see, all like all these, um, you see, all these, you know, gurus saying how you can mm-hmm. make 100 million pounds in in 25 days by using their, you know, writing formula, whatever it is. Um yeah. What can be? I know it's it's very dependent on the context and the industry and stuff, but like generally what do you see and, and what should people expect from building a personal brand you know from these inbound leads um in terms of like a realistic timeline of of making revenue
1: yeah so i think yeah the time the realistic timelines is i would say don't expect anything in the first three months particularly if you're coming from a standing start um or particularly if you have kind of gone down the wrong path too early and built an audience of people that when you're saying, oh, no one's bought from me, but I've got 50K people, well, you've got the wrong audience then. Let's admit right. that first and foremost and then deal with that and call it. Me personally, I didn't make any money until month eight. So, like, the first, first couple of months, I was doing what everyone else told me that I should do. I was fucking mm. sharing industry blog posts and going, oh, these are great insights, Timothy. And then I thought, what am I doing here? And then by, like, month three to six, I'd started actually going, right, fuck it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm at least going to write like I speak and have some fun on here started tracking the proper metrics, trying to get people off and just treating it like paid advertising and things like that. Got more strategic and then landed a deal in month eight. And that was all I needed to be like, okay, shit, we're off to the races here. But ultimately, months one to three, you're basically testing. uh, You're testing your content pillars. You're testing the quality of your existing audience. You're connecting with people. You're kind of building that authority and testing what works for what people. And then from months three to six, that's where you can start streamlining, doubling down on what works Uh, getting in front of the right people, starting putting out, you know, social proof testimonials, building that authority within the space. And then you can hopefully start closing them from kind of within that six month onward period. Um, but again, like I say, depends, depends what you sell. Um, if they are big outlays, you might not get anything for nine months, but for the most, for most of the people that I've spoken to, it's like a hockey stick growth. It's like slow, 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 slow a couple. And then. That's why we've never had to advertise or anything like that because mm. from that month nine period, every single year has just been incrementally more and more and more. So it takes you out the feast and famine cycle because it's just self fulfilling. Some people have been watching for four months, some people have been watching for four years. And the annoying thing is that you don't really know when they're going to come, but you just know that they're going to come because you've done the work and that content's out and it's, you know, still being engaged with and shared and, and things like that.
0: Yeah. So there's, there's two things actually. Um, Basically, you just said that I want to ask as well. Um, it's so the ratio of c- content type, because you mentioned mm-hmm. pillars there, right? So, so what I've seen for most personal branding people that I follow is, um, you know, you've basically got like three types of content. Um, you, you might have more that you, you use, which would be great to understand as well. But, you know, typically it's like, you know, personal posts, entertainment and value add. Um so how do you balance the ratios of those? Like, is there a particular structure? Should you have, you know, um, you know, because some people just post testimonials, some people mm. just post personal stuff, which isn't selling their product. Um, how do you find that that balance and is there like a formula for it?
1: So depending on how often the volume of the posting is, if let's say if you're doing five posts a week, we'd probably do a three one one. Three top funnel, mass market, get some eyeballs, pull them back in, get them looking at the profile. One mid-funnel, look how amazing we are. Here are some hard data results because that's a beautiful thing as well. Everyone talks an amazing game online. Very Less than 5% of people will actually ever show hard data, and you should always yeah. quiz them on hard data. Um, so that's why we make that a really, really core core part of, of our content strategy, putting that hard data in and saying, yeah, someone picked this, and now we've got that. And then one kind of sales post. So yeah, try the three three one one strategy there. Because if you go too hard on the social proof, but you've not done the work higher up the funnel, it doesn't really matter because you're shouting in an empty room about how amazing you are. Uh, right. So yeah, that's what I do there. But obviously, if you're then posting um, three times a week, you could do it. You could do a one 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 and see how it goes. The goal is to look at the data, look at the data, and see what came out at the other end, and then tweet something higher up the funnel. Because if nothing's coming out at the other end. It's usually because you're targeting the wrong people. You know, you you you've built an audience of the wrong people, so that even if you are selling and showing off amazing results, they're still mm. not going to come through because they can't sell. They can't buy what you sell, either because they can't afford it or that you know they're not the right yeah. graphic or whatever it is.
0: Okay, cool. So, um, with the just just to go back to like the, t- the types of posts as well, just so I can understand this. So, do you? so so you've got obviously your sales post, which is straight up salesy, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And and then you've obviously got your stuff that, you know, brings in eyeballs. So can you like, can you post like a more generic, I suppose more entertainment or like, you know, almost jokey post that then generates leads? And also um, you're talking obviously a lot about analyzing posts, right? Mm -hmm. So what are you looking for? Are, Are you mainly looking at um, you know uh, the impressions. The are you looking at? You know the amount of people that book meetings. Like, what 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 are you looking at in terms of data?
1: Yeah, I think for for the top funnel entertainment is, is crucial, or as I like to do, kind of edutainment. It is the thing now. So for me personally, I use humor quite a lot because um, mm. whilst people that you know can be really informative and it's great, I'm not going to remember that because it's fucking boring. And And the internet is full of information. So if I can make someone laugh or someone smile or use a visceral metaphor and then drop something in that's actually going to be useful, it really increases the chance that, number one, they're going to remember that because it was attached to a positive emotion. And then number two, that positive emotion is attached to me. Therefore, when they think of my name, they think, ah, he makes me laugh. Therefore, I should be front of mind when the time comes that they're going to use us. So that's what I think on the actual types of posts. Yeah, And then what was the second
0: bit? Yes, sorry, I need to stop asking uh, two questions at the same time. Um, <laughs> but um, the, the, the actual analysing the post, going back to seeing what's working, yeah. what are you looking at? Like impressions, meetings booked? Yeah, so impressions, I mean, when you actually look at what an impression is, I think it's like I
1: did a post about it the other week and it was like half a millisecond it was on someone's page. At least half of the post was on someone's page for 0.3 milliseconds or something. So views don't really mean shit. Don't get me wrong, you can't mm. start a funnel without views. But unless they're the right views, it doesn't matter. So when you do see the impressions and you get the breakdown like that, well, actually, well, what country are those people in? What position are those people in? What companies do those people work at? Is it actually going in front of the right people as a start? That is like your top level to look at when you're just starting out. Am I getting at least in front of the right people? But for me, it's all about the intent as well. So when the people are engaging on it, What kind of comments are they leaving? That's why if someone leaves like an AI bot comment on one of mine, I'll just block them straight away because I don't want the incremental pullover from all the shit that they will have in their audience. Because if they're using it, it's likely they connect with other people that are using it. So I don't want them coming over and basically diluting the quality of of my audience because I like to make money through content um, and I don't care about the dopamine. So making sure that you get rid of those as and when you see them to keep the relevance high, but then a little bit further down from that as well. When you do a really good post, are you noticing your website visits go up? Are you noticing your profile visits go up? When you look at your profile visits, where are those people? Are they the right people? Is there anyone in there that you could go and send a connection to because they work at somewhere that you'd like to work and you want them to see your content more often? So there are their analytics further down a little bit as well. So the quality of the engagement and then look at if you are sending people and you've got signposts posts for your calendar link or your website or your lead magnets or whatever. You will then be able to see spikes if you're hitting the right people and you're passing them through the funnel as it should be. You should see spikes in those in those stats. And if you've not, there's a hole somewhere that needs plugging. You're either hitting the wrong people, or your funnel's broken somewhere else and, it, and it's dropping off.
0: And then, in terms of like you know how you how people actually do this, especially people who've never like analyzed data before, can it be as simple as I don't know? You at the end of the week, you literally spend ten minutes, you have a spreadsheet, and you just have like, um, you know. I've definitely seen an increase in lead magnets or whatever. Or is there is there is there a deeper way, a more intelligent way to do it?
1: Depends how much time you've got. I mean, LinkedIn analytics—they're getting better. They're not where they need to be at the moment. As far as um, I mean, you'd have to do that manually, looking at your profile viewers and go like, who are these people? A lot of people have got premium now, so they can see all the people that look at look at their profile and see see if they're the right people. So you can do that manually. But yeah, if you wanted to sit down, I mean, if you're sending them to your website, for instance, you should have a Google Analytics pixel on there anyway. So you can then look at website visits and see if it spikes and go, actually, when did I post? Okay, the 3rd, the 8th and the 12th. Okay, well, spike, spike, spike. Okay, this is working. I'm getting the right people going on. But then you look at it and you go, right, well, I've got 500% more people going to the site. Why have I got 0% more conversions? Is there an issue on my site? Are those the right people? So then you can dig into the data. You can spend all day um, digging into the data if if you wanted to. But if you're just starting out, don't drive yourself mad, ultimately. Mm-hmm. You just need to make sure that you're getting that traffic off-site because it it then means at least you're writing engaging posts. Whether they're to the right people or not, that's the next step. But can I hook in an audience and make them take an action and send traffic elsewhere? That's goal number one. So just break it down into micro goals. Don't try and be the complete package of my funnel's amazing and I do that and I do that and it all works. It's Yeah, because you're you're just going to quit after three months because you're going to drive yourself nuts.
0: Yeah, okay, awesome. And um another thing I wanted to ask you as well, just like uh there's there's this like percentage rule that is chucked around in marketing, which is like the 95 5 rule, which is like for those who don't know, you know, 95% of your market today are not looking to buy, so only 5% are. So how, how, is that is that true? How how does that sort of work?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, because we work a lot in, you know, paid advertising as well and you know that that's that's pretty similar. You you have to do the hard yards there. People just want to, we, we just become accustomed to this next day delivery lifestyle with Amazon and delivery. Mm. So you want to make a post and make a sale and it's just not the way things work. You might get very, very lucky and that might happen. But ultimately you have to be putting the hard yards. in. I, I always say the sales problem you've got now is a marketing problem that you had six months ago, but you didn't address. If you haven't got anything, this is why I love inbound because if stuff does go quiet you have six 12 months of residual doing the work there where you've built the reputation and you push people further down and you should be front of mind front of mind is key because competition's not going to go down competition's going to keep going up so if you're not present and you're not front of mind people are going to go oh I, I really need that thing now but oh i can't remember who that guy's name was because you know it wasn't impactful or your content wasn't good so just go to google and google it and then Whoever has the best SEO or best ads, will probably just choose them. Whereas what you want to become is unquestionably the first choice that people think of when they do need you. And not even then, when they see a friend that's going, does anyone know an XYZ, you know, a graphic designer or someone that does paid ads or whatever, you then have a team of unofficial BDMs going, all they ever see is these guys' sick results. This mm. is my friend. I want my friends to do well, so I'm going to tag this person in. So it's not just them you're waiting for. You're basically empowering them to do your sales for you as well. Yeah. So you need to be constantly present. You can't just come to it like, you know, all of the twist when you're ready and go, please can I have some sales and do five posts and go, oh, it's not working. This stuff doesn't work. No, yeah. you just haven't been bothered to put in the fucking work that needs to be done.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. So for those then, like, say for example someone's just set up a business they just set up a brand new linkedin profile what's like i don't know the first three or four things that they need to do to get to get them going like what sort of basic tips could you give them
1: first protocol is optimize the profile straight away because that acts as your mini landing page that's kind of the funnel that's going to send them off platform because your content is going to get grab curiosity. But ultimately, when they get to this page, you need to make sure a nice clear profile picture, good headline that basically describes what you do and who you do it for, maybe with a bit of social proof in there. Nice banner again that, that calls it out and maybe drops some social proof in there. You can now have a custom link on there as well. So you can send people to a link tree, you can send people to a Calendly, whatever it may be. Make sure you're making the most of your featured posts as well. So on ours, we've got like, you know, case studies, results. This is how you work with us. You can just book a consultancy call straight away and, you know, jump on like that. So have those signposts ready made. And then on your about section, this is a big one. People talk about themselves on their about section. And whilst that's technically what LinkedIn tell you it's for, when I'm landing on there as a client, I don't give, I don't give a fuck where you went to school. I, I, I don't really care that, you know, you like long walks on the beach. I'm on there looking for a solution to my problems. You've got to lead customer-centric and say, right, if you've landed here, you're probably struggling with bam, bam, bam. You've probably tried A, B, C, but it's not giving you X, Y, Z. That's what all our clients come to us for. We've done this, blah, blah, blah. And then you go into your social proof there. You treat that as a mini landing page. And then you leave your call to action at the bottom as well and tell them what people want. That's the first protocol because that should be where you're pulling traffic back into before you send them elsewhere. Um and then on the other side of things is it's common sense really, but connect with people that you want to work with. There's a Boolean search feature on LinkedIn where you could literally type in uh like CEO plus London and it'll show you all the CEOs plus London. CEO plus London plus tech. Okay, here's a list of all those people. Go and connect with those people. And I've found I don't know if this will change, and I don't like the word hack, but ultimately just the basic ways of how algorithms work is if I'm going to post something for financial directors in um, tech, I'm going to create that post. But before I do it, I'm going to go and connect with 20 of those people because when yeah. they accept the connection request, I post it. The algorithm doesn't really know if you're going to be best mates or not yet. So what it will usually do is show you the most recent post and go, oh, you have just connected with this person. Do you like this? And if it's something super relevant to them, they'll go, ah, and then they're in we basically told LinkedIn that we're going to be best mates. So you can always be a lot more strategic with who you're connecting with when you're posting it and try and increase your chances of them seeing that post.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. So if you've like, say people are listening who they've got big accounts, so they've got, I don't know, 20,000 plus followers, but they're not generating Mm -hmm. income, what have they potentially done? what mistakes have they potentially made and what can they do to sort of like, I suppose, turn the tide?
1: Two things, either your offer, what you're offering or that journey or that funnel, that that bottom part of the funnel, that conversion is not strong enough. So you're not signposting often enough. You're not showing your case studies and results where you're sending them. You know, your website might be a little bit trash and isn't closing people very good. That one's easier to fix. You know, you can really, really nail that down Mm -hmm. uh, and get that to a fine art. And, and measure the difference that you have there the other one is that you built an audience of the wrong people and i know that's shit to hear because you like all that dopamine and you like telling people you've built a community of people it's not a community it's an audience people don't know the difference um yeah you, you're speaking to the wrong people you can have an amazing offer ready good to go bags of social proof shit hot website all these time posts going into it but if you're talking to the wrong people it doesn't matter when people say, oh, you know, more followers and more views means more opportunities, I know that that person does not fundamentally understand how marketing works. The, the quality of that audience matters. You know, you are not going to go to Old Trafford, walk out on the pitch and go, oh, I'm getting 70,000 views here, and then start trying trying to sell Man City shirts. See how you get on. Yeah. You know, the views don't fucking matter if it isn't the right audience uh but you know people don't like it when you say that because it takes away from the fact that they convince themselves that they've built a community and and that's cool if that's what you want to do and and, dopamine is what you're there for but ultimately i think they convince themselves that they don't actually want to make sales but actually they do but they're not willing to go through and basically admit they were wrong start calling those people and and start fresh because that hurts the ego um so I i can understand why people do it but it ain't my problem. You know, you can, you can tell people these things all the time, whether they want to do it, it's up to them, but we've got all the results to show that it works.
0: Yeah. So the removing connection thing is is really interesting to me. So, um, cause, cause obviously look, you, you know, you, you can have 20,000 followers on LinkedIn, your content, you don't get a minimum 20,000 impressions every single post. Do you know what I mean? Like it, I think that's how a lot of people think it works. It's certainly how I thought it worked. Um, so the, the removing connections thing, um, what does that actually do then, in terms of like how your your content is shown? Because I assume, like, if, I suppose if if someone's like connected with you, they're probably following you as well, and then you remove them, but they still follow you. Is that how it works, or like? Yeah,
1: yeah. it's the difference on the connection and, and the follower things as well. Some people just follow you. Some people connect and follow. What I tend to prefer to do is use the block button. It sounds harsh, but actually all I'm bothered about is efficiency. So if someone's coming in and leaving some AI trash comment, I know that they're probably going to be leaving that on other people's pages or they're connected with other people. Or if this person you know, just simply isn't in my target audience, there is no value to me of keeping that there or keeping that person in the network because it doesn't benefit me, which sounds selfish, but it's actually just efficiency. And if I leave that there, My post is then going out to their network, which is probably full of other people that will do exactly the same thing and they'll just be low value, aren't in my own Mm. life. And then they're going to start following me and then they're going to start leaving trash comments. And it puts out to their individual respective networks and it becomes incrementally harder to stop and you get more and more and more irrelevant. And your posts, whilst going to more people, go to less and less and less of the right people because it's all these people leaving AI trash comments and to the algorithm, it just goes, ah, show it to more people like that. And then people go, oh, I'm getting more views and more followers, but there's no business. And I go, yeah, you need to start calling people out. Um, It does sound harsh, but from a revenue per follower ratio, if you are measuring that, which you should be, if you want to make money from your content, it's the most important thing you can do is keep that relevance as high as possible.
0: So question for you on that one then, eh? Because, again, it depends, I suppose, how extreme and how far you want to take this. But say you've got, like, I don't know, 20 mates, who, who you connect with and follow, uh, follow you on LinkedIn, they engage with posts a lot, but they're, they're, they're like so outside of your target market. They're plumbers, right? Yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, would, would, you like, would you still recommend you like block them, remove them as well? Or like, it, uh, yeah, how, how far do you take that?
1: Depends to be honest with you, because you've just got to think not just about the person, but the person's network, because that's what's going to happen when they engage. Yeah. So whilst they might be plumbers, They might be connected to people who are family friends that have got this CEO over here of this tech company. So actually you've got to think about the quality of 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 their network as well. And you can, you know, stalk that if you want. You know, if you go to someone's page, um, you can very, very quickly see kind of the comments that they're leaving and things like that and the other people that they're engaging with. So it depends how brutal you want to be. For me. Yeah. I don't really believe people that say they're on there to make friends because Maybe it's just me being a cynic. Everyone's on there to make money because if you, if, if you didn't really want to do that, go and fucking buy a diary and write in a diary. <laughs> Why are you telling people this stuff? It's because you want to cause an action. You want to get something out of it, whether that is dopamine or whether that is money. You need to be honest with yourself about what you want. So if I saw that it was hurting the relevance, yeah, I'd have no problem doing that because it's a business tool for me, whilst it is a social mm. media network, it's a business tool. So depends what your goals are.
0: And just again to to further understand how this actually works. So, um, is there like is there like a limit of like when LinkedIn stops chucking your content out? Because you're saying obviously it, it if you've got the wrong people. So you could have like you know fifty percent of your audience is is great relevant, and then fifty percent isn't. The fifty percent that isn't engages a lot more than the fifty the actual target audience, and. Say these guys, you know, or they or, um, or girls, they they jump on, they engage with your posts. It's being checked out to the wrong people. It does LinkedIn then be like, is there like a stopping point, where it, and then it, and then it's getting diluted um because it's going out to the, all the wrong people, and then there's like a sort of cut off point where it stops giving you impressions, and it hasn't given it a chance to go out to the right people. No, there
1: won't be a point for impressions like that. And the thing, the thing is, it's you lose control because you don't know what percentage of your audience LinkedIn's going to show it to in that first hour, which is basically what decides how well it's going to go. But ultimately, what right. you're doing is you out in that first hour. All these shit comments come on. They bring other shit people on. The weight of that engagement tells LinkedIn, ah, send next time they post, send it to these people because they engaged on it last time. So what you're then doing is they're bringing in more people. Your follower rate is going up which reduces the chance that actually LinkedIn might pick that 5% that might actually be able to buy from you. And actually, you're just going to increase your chance to send it to more people like that, which is why some people grow audiences, but revenue remains flat.
0: I see. So, um, so yeah, so, so you, put, you stick a post out, loads of irrelevant people comment and engage, which is lovely for your dopamine, but not actually doing it yeah. for your business. LinkedIn then yeah. doesn't show it to the right people and shows it more to the wrong people, Your engagement goes up, because you think it's a good post um, when, you know, actually these people are never, ever going to buy. And then when you do your outreach, you know, you could be getting, I suppose, I suppose you could be getting like really good engagement for like weeks or months on end with the wrong people. But you think it's doing well and then you're reaching out to people and you're not getting the benefits of a strong personal brand because these people have just never seen you. Yeah. Is that is that, is that yeah.
1: what it does? Yeah, exactly. People do that. They'll build the audience and then think, right, I need to monetize this community, and then they'll create a product or something like that. They'll launch it and go, oh, I made zero sales of that product because your audience is wrong. Like mm. You should have tested that before and sent people to make sure that you're actually speaking to the right people because, you know, even if the right audience was engaging on it, it doesn't necessarily mean they're a buyer. You have to put them through the disqualification process. That's a whole other kettle of fish. Even if you've got the right audience, you still need to work hard to, to push them through and make sure the offer's right, the positioning's right, your signposting's right. Yeah.
0: But yeah,
1: if, you, if, if you're if you starting off on, on the wrong foot, just the way algorithms work, incrementally, you're just making it more and more difficult for yourself. Um, and a lot of people get sucked into this and get sold the dream and, you know, they're sat there and they're happy and they want to be an influencer and they're sat with the thousands of likes, but they're not making any money, which is usually when they start trying to chill something, which is usually... I'll teach you how I get this many likes and then the pyramid scheme adds another brick and then that's how it, yeah. The the people the people selling these things, they don't actually make their money from what they're selling you. They make their money from selling you the dream um, mm. of, of that idea. So you just got to be very, very wary um, that you don't end up trapped into one of those pyramid schemes um, where the only way you can make money is to sell a course on basically the same way you got done over because you were
0: naive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So um so like okay so say um you were in a job you had a strong personal brand in that job you had 10,000 followers in that target market and then you moved into a completely different market saying I don't know saying it selling a saas solution right yeah. would you then recommend that you one of the first things you do is is start removing those people because you, you, they no longer serve your purpose because otherwise you're you're in your new job where you're selling completely different products to a completely different type of person it just won't be as effective as, as your last job.
1: Yeah, if the goal in business, if, if the goal is business, then, then yeah, because ultimately what, what will happen otherwise is you will then post a SaaS thing and then your other audience it will go out to, they won't engage with it and LinkedIn will go, oh, this, this content's trash. So it's not, you're then gonna have to work harder to get it in front of anybody. Um, so yeah, whilst it is probably gonna be a bit of a manual effort and a bit of a faff, it's probably the best thing you can do to lay that foundation, have a you know, fully clean base to go up
0: yeah okay that's really interesting so you mentioned it earlier and it's obviously like a bit of a topic at the moment um the last sort of month or so engagement pods Mm. what's that all about
1: yeah people who weren't hugged enough as a kid i reckon
0: Uh,
1: (laughs) someone someone put a beautiful comment on one of my posts the other day and was like it is basically an admittance that you actually don't have anything interesting to say and i thought that was that was pretty beautiful um because yeah you're basically paying people to be your friends and i don't see a purpose that isn't nefarious from it because what you're basically doing is kind of trying to pretend that you're more credible than you are which is usually so that you can sell a solution to someone who doesn't know better so yeah i understand people have issues they probably would be better off with therapy rather than trying to get strangers to like their shit graphic um, that they probably stole from somewhere else. Um, but yeah, it, it's sad when people fall into it. But you can see it a million miles off if you if you know what to look for. So the goal is to raise the awareness of it because I don't like people getting done over by it. And a lot of people do get done over by it because they just believe what's on the surface. Um, but yeah, if you can't work out what the product is being sold, it's usually you.
0: Yeah, the weird thing I find about it as well is like it doesn't even seem in a lot of cases, you know, depending on what you're selling, like if you're selling a personal branding course and you know your courses you know i can get you loads of engagement and then you're getting loads of engagement it's fake engagement but you know no one no one knows that then i suppose you know that would help you um but you don't i i got approached by some like a year ago or so a year and a half ago and um my first question was well if i'm getting loads of likes because some of my content's good some of my content's awful you know, Some of my content gets 100 impressions sometimes. You know, and I'm just like, right, I won't do that again. But I need to know that. But if every yeah. single post is getting consistently you know, 100, 1,000, 10,000 likes, how are you ever mm-hmm. supposed to do what you're talking about a lot, which is obviously very important, the, the analysis mm-hmm. piece? Like, how are you supposed to like, actually analyze what, what, what's good content? That's what I don't get.
1: The short answer is you, you can't, ultimately. You will never figure out what works, uh, and what doesn't work, you'll never actually improve the skills that you do need, like, you know, your copywriting or, you know, your visual and content creation and things like that, because everything is just everything's going to get 1500 likes and things, mm. things like that. So it makes it very, very difficult for you to improve as a person, for your content to improve. And then ultimately that dilution in audience just gets so big that, you know, it, it becomes impossible to basically trim down. You make a rod for your own back. You're then sat there on 350K followers, can't afford rent. I can't admit that you fucked it because the pride the pride i can't admit this so it's where do you go from there and you know the only way it, it is down really and that's where you do kind of have to flip to start shilling something to shit i need to make some money from this otherwise you know i'm banging trouble because i've got all the wrong people here so what i can do is just put a veil in front of those people and just go oh, 350k or you know a thousand likes and people who don't know enough to question, yeah, but who, from where, do they buy? Are they the right people? They'll just go, oh, big numbers must equal credibility, you no, Sadly, not. Sadly, not. Uh, so yeah, that's why you'll see that kind of influencer arc. They will never get that big, and then not start selling something, you know. And if you haven't seen it yet, it's coming.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, the um, I think they've just handed them out now. So. Um i don't know much about this either so you know like the top voices thing that you can do yeah i, yeah. I saw something on it that you can i think there's two different categories categories but mm. um, you can sort of game the system right so you can you can like go and comment on trending topics put nonsense there just absolutely not it doesn't even have to be good content and then they chuck with yeah. the badge it is that yeah. is that worth doing is it like what's what's the point of that
1: me personally, no. I think it's another it's another dopamine play. People think it means authority. It's like, remember the LinkedIn SSI score? Remember that when people thought that had any effect on um, how much money you could make from the platform? It's, oh, I've been ranked at 24.
0: Oh, Great. I do remember Slum. that. Yeah, I remember yeah. doing my own. And I was like, oh, my, my profile's worth £10,000 or something stupid.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous. And then people think that has any relation to it. So I don't understand the purpose of it. I understand that people want the nice little badges so they can pretend to be more credible than they are. But ultimately what you're doing is basically cre- creating content for another platform for free mm. amongst other people that are also contributing to this dross. So like the quality of that, I mean, if you want your little badge and it makes you feel better, then that's cool. Um, and then there's obviously the other one, which I think is the more more legit one. Um, I think they combined, well, speaking to Leah, Leah Turner who knows a lot more about LinkedIn than I do the other day. And I think there's been some like combination of, the old like creators program and things like that and the people that were on the creator accelerators and things get you know a chance so uh, yeah it was weird because it used to be like i think it was just like you know you bill gates's and richard branson's and then i looked on yesterday and there was like 150 people and i was like oh shit what's going on mm. uh but yeah sadly i can't get one because i've been banned too many times so
0: you've been banned the audience
1: yeah 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 i was, I was banned quite a, quite a bit in the early days they told me i couldn't swear and I disagreed a few times, um, right? And then, yeah, one time I called someone a nonce. But it's been a nonce? Um, so yeah, I don't think they give any badges to people like me.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's there certainly seems to be like a certain type of person that gets these kind of things as well. Because I follow some really good creators across you know different industries, and I'm just like, how's that person recognised as like a top voice? But that person isn't because that person steals their content and looks up to this person. So it's a weird one. But on, on swearing as well, again, you know, that's something that, that comes up a lot. Like, How far can you, you know, writing as you speak, you know, going back to that, yeah. how far can you take that?
1: Well, I used, to write exa- I used to write exactly as I spoke, and evidently that was too far. Uh, mm. So you have to get a little bit more creative with the, the metaphors and stuff that you're doing now. So you can't just drop your fucks and buggers and shits anymore. Or sometimes, yeah, they do, they do get taken down. Um, I saw your post, so yeah, actually,
0: the, the crap one. That was quite funny.
1: Yeah, so exactly. So I would have gone the other, the other way and I would have done the shit method, but um, it probably would have got pulled. So you've got to be a little bit more careful now. It's weird, really, because we're a bunch of fucking grown adults um, on the Internet. And if, you know, a word, which is just a word, really, you know, offends your sensibilities, then you probably need to go and see a doctor um, or get some hobbies or get laid. Uh, but this is the life we live, and at the moment it 's still run by your old your old boomers. Once they die or retire and stop paying LinkedIn all that wedge you 'll probably start seeing more people move over to towards a millennial point of view when they become the biggest revenue driver um, ad revenue driver and giving them what they want and then eventually your your gen Zs and it it'll, it'll just pass through. I think in the minute at the minute they don 't really know who they are linkedin they 're trying to service your old school people. But they're also trying to be like hip and cool and hit quotas, but it's not coming off great. They're releasing things like these AI articles um, that nobody wanted, nobody asked for. That don't help anybody. It's like, bro, just give me the ability to fucking pin things in my inbox. That's what people want. Let, let yeah. me let me pin comments on posts. That's what people want. We had it. You fucking got rid of it. Like, they're just not very good at listening to to their audience. They're just a bit confused at the minute. But I don't want to say too much because I'll probably get banned again.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah i've always found it weird as well like um i've always found it strange or like because i i I, i've only been using linkedin for the last you know eight years seven seven eight years Mm. really when i got into recruitment before that i just saw it as this like boring social media platform really that i was had no interest in going on um yeah and i I always found it strange how like you know when you're connecting with people because my understanding is um the connection limit used to be like basically unlimited and then they've they've slowly mm. like strangled it, and strangled it over the years, and now it's down to what hundred a week. But um, I always find it strange that it's a networking event and network, a networking platform that yeah. encourages you to only interact with people that you know. Like yeah. I, I don't get that.
1: No, it is very it is very confusing to be honest with you. Um, I mean, to be fair, I know I'm a bit of a misanthrope and I'm I'm not a big fan of people anyway, but I think you really want to be connected to more than 30,000 people do you really know 30,000 people have you really got 30,000 ideal clients probably not if we are being realistic about it um which is i think why they've made the developments to followers you know you don't have to you can just follow you don't have to you know connect and mm-hmm. follow it just plays to that dopamine game that you know instagram played until they realized that they've basically eviscerated the mental health of a generation and then started started having to uh, hide the like numbers and things because people were basically judging the quality of the content based on the amount of likes that it had, regardless yeah. of whether they were real. So, yeah, it's a, it's a whole different kettle of fish, and it is a poison in itself if you don't know how to how to use it, how to navigate it, what red flags to look out for, what's real, what's not. Um, so, yeah, I just try my best to try and spread a little bit of truth where I can, which I know some people don't like, but
0: don't really care. <laughs> um last question mate just just to finish on this because obviously it's you know it's what everyone's talking about um where do you see you know personal branding social media and copywriting going um you know with with ai chat gpt everything that's that's, that's coming out and we'll we, you know we'll probably see exponential growth around this over the next year or two um mm. where do you see like the, the next few years going
1: yeah i think you know, it's unavoidable that you're going to have to use it. It's just about how you use it. People are actually using it as a tool now and basically pulling it straight off and and plugging it into things, um, which is not necessarily great. Number one, because the copy itself is trash and sounds like it was written in like a GCSE history exam with your, therefore, let's elevate your dynamic. And it's like, it's not good yet. Don't get me wrong, in three, four years, it might be amazing. Um, Grok, the Twitter one, is much better, much funnier, got more personality. So that's quite cool. I think. Being used as like a fact checker, it could, it's still throwing out things that aren't necessarily true, so it can be a bit dangerous. Um, and I don't know enough about SEO, but on the kind of duplicate content side of things, if everyone's putting in the same prompts and getting the same information and put it on the website, you should at some point, you're probably going to start getting penalized for duplicate content um, yeah. You know, across hundreds and hundreds of sites. So it's interesting. I think it will get more skilled. I think on the image creation side, leaps and bounds, like it's insane some of the stuff now with your mid journeys and, and you're other ones that are coming up. Um so I think it's gonna make ad creative a lot better. Even as far as like generative um expansions of imagery and things like that. You know, when you're trying to reformat stuff and you're like, oh I wish that that was landscape and it just goes an well, there's an extension. like a TikTok for it and, trend
0: are not there where it's like it zooms out and zooms well, out and zooms out
1: again. It's it's
0: amazing. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Cool
1: where he's just lying on the couch for like a thriller or something it comes out and he's like getting his nails done and things like that. It's, yeah, it is, it is good. It is good from a, from a creative point of view. I think it will get better. I think people are hedging their hats on it right now because, you know, when there's blood in the water, sharks will circle. When there's a new thing and people don't really understand it, that's the best time to take to basically part stupid people with their money because you can then go position yourself. Ah, here's a big scary thing. I don't really know it, but you don't need to know that I don't know it. I just know a bit more than you. So I'm going to take your money now whilst you know, you're know you panicking all about it. So I don't think anyone needs to panic just yet. I mean, it will probably wipe out the shit copywriters, which is a good thing. But I see it's a good thing because it means that we can up our prices because if everyone else is using ChatGPT. We're going to look amazing. <laughs> so we can charge for that privilege of basically setting people apart. So I see it's a really, really good thing for the copywriting industry personally. Uh, and I think from the design side, it's going to help add creative uh, and like branding and inspo and mood boards and things like that massively.
0: Yeah. Oh, awesome, mate. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, mate. It's like so much, so much value in this. And um, yeah, hopefully everyone that's listening, is, especially people like just getting started or not sure um, what route to take, will take massive value. Um, if people want to work with you or just want to chat with you, like what do they need to do?
1: Yeah, sweet. So you can follow me on LinkedIn if you want, uh, Lewis Kemp, or you can go to the website, lightboardmedia.co.uk, or go to our Instagram, lightboardmedia.uk. Uh, plenty of signposting on there. You can look at results. You can look at the content we do, things like that. Um, and then, yeah, just, just reach out with, with what you need.
0: Awesome. I'll put the links in the, um, in the bio and the description there as well, so it'd be easy to find. But, yeah, mate, thanks so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate it. <laughs>